In a galaxy far, far away, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Rebellion Underground. Today, still wanted by the Empire, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, and if no one else can help you, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the IA team. You're tuned in to the IA Team, a podcast dedicated to Star Wars Imperial Assault by Fantasy Flight Games. If you like what you hear, there's a full video version of this show over on our YouTube channel, fully operational, as well as video content for Star Wars The Card Game. You can also find us on Facebook, slash fully operational, and on Twitter, at fully ops. We hope you check us out, but for now, sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone, to episode three of the IA team. Uh, we're back once again to give you some uh, some great content for Imperial Assault, focused on the skirmish aspect of this game uh, for competitive play. Uh, my name's Andy, fully ops. You kind of see me pretty much uh, on most videos in the channel. Um, but uh, we're joined once again by my friends over here across the pond in Britain. We've got Jonathan Kipps Bolton uh, down below me. Jonathan, how are you today? I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. You've got a holiday coming up, haven't you? I have, yes. Anyway. Yeah, we're uh, definitely not recording this in advance of holiday. <coughs> I definitely won't be going out I just while wear the same t-shirt I'm away. Dispelling the magic, Jonathan. Dispelling the magic. Where, where are you off to? Anywhere nice? I am off to Australia. Ooh. Yeah, three weeks. Yes. Very nice. I'm, I'm jealous, but I'm also not because I go, I would go like that colour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my aim. That colour. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Yeah, then faded to the other colour. Yes, yeah. yeah. So I don't, I don't get a tan. I, I burn and then I go white. Yeah, the, I think the only problem is deciding which games to take with me. It's Imperial Assault is not an option really. It, it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. fit on the tray on the, the plane. Yeah. You can't. No. We tried. Yeah. <laughs> we just get looked at funny. We did, especially by the woman who was sat in between us. She it's was. Embarrassing. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Uh, and we've also got the man, the legend, the scum hero, James, <laughs> the Wamper Marsden. How are you doing, James? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you very much. Yourself? I'm good, I'm good. It's always good to be talking Imperial Assault with you fine gentlemen, so good to be back. And as well, always the great feedback from the community. Again, it keeps us coming back, making more episodes. Uh, we really do appreciate everything you do, the questions you ask, and the sharing, and, and commenting on all the posts. So humbled, keep it up, and uh, we'll keep making the content for you. Um, this one will be a bit of a shorter episode. Uh, as I say, Jonathan's off to catch a plane in about an hour, um, so <laughs> we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll keep it as a short one. Um, so the first topic uh, we're kind of finished up with store championship season, uh, certainly over here in the UK now. Um, I'm moving into regionals season. So there's a couple of um, announcements here. One, we've seen uh, the locations posted, and we'll put a map in the usual spot over there. 
Uh, right. It's only episode three, but I'm going to point the right way. Which one am I going? Yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah, that corner. Everything yeah. will always be in that Got corner there in the for end. you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we have six Imperial Assault regionals here in the UK. Uh, we have uh, North Down Wargaming in Bangor, and again, I'll, I'll highlight a map and kind of do a, a ping where every every regional is. Uh, we have Big Orbit Games in Evesham, which is there. Uh, we've got Beanie Games in Stockton. Now, this is one that myself and probably James will try and get to. It's about an hour away from us, so if you do want to come and see us play some games, um, we'll, we'll make it to that one. Beanie's a great venue. Been before. It's huge. It's got a great play area and a, a good bar as well, which is good. Um, there's Harlequins in Preston, in my home county, in Lancashire, so I'll be getting to that one and seeing the family. Should be a good weekend, so again, come along. Uh, there's Warbore in Bromley, which is uh, down south. Yeah, it's my, my nearest one. That's your one. So if you want to go yeah. see Jonathan, uh, we might we might try and make it down and do an IA oh, team it's, reunion. It's a really good <laughs> store. It's a, it's a board game cafe, and upstairs is their gaming venue. So um, the the tournaments tend to run very well. It's right in the centre of town, so there's you can go out at lunchtime if you get time. Yeah, um, yeah. But they also do a, a running tab for people. So they just send the staff up every now and then to take drink orders. Yeah, it's a great store. That's a good Good setup. Yeah. Sounds like. And then finally, number six is uh, Curtain Games in Exeter. So that's a bit of a drive for us up here in the north. But Jonathan, I imagine you'll probably maybe. Yeah, it's it's probably it's probably the next one of the next nearest. I think I might be heading down there as well. Gotcha. Trying for number two. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, those those are the six we've got here in the UK. Uh, we'll put the dates and again the full map up on the on the right there. Um, but uh, above and beyond the regional dates we've got here in the UK and kind of fleshing out our tournament season, there's been some pretty big news around the, the tournament season moving forward into 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, there's two Worlds weekends, guys. Yeah, interesting. Da-da-da! <laughs> um, yeah. so it looks like they're separating off all the Star Wars IP material uh, and games that FFG do. Um and having World's Weekend for that be in May 2017, mm-hmm. and then all the other ones, as usual, in November. So it's, yeah, it's interesting. an interesting choice. Would you go to both? Would you go to both? The, I, think the, 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 I think the shame is, I mean, I don't really play any non-Star Wars games. I couldn't imagine that. Um, <laughs> you know, Call of Cthulhu with Star Wars, I'm sold. <laughs> um, yep. But it's, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's kind of a shame in some way because the worlds that we went to, so they've got one more of those. I think it, it's getting busy, so they need to do something. They need mm. to change venue, which kind of detracts a bit from it being the fantasy flight tournament, major tournament, major expo kind of thing, because it's it's all at their their offices, their sort of gaming center, which is very nice, by the way, if you get the opportunity to visit. Um, but it was nice that it was. It's not just the games that you know. There's you meet loads of people from playing different game systems. You get to sit down and watch a game of Netrunner and be completely baffled because you have no <laughs> idea what's going on. But you you know you cheer along with everyone else because that's just the done thing. Yep. It's like oh that must have been a good move. Everyone's cheering. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> he scored points. Yeah, yeah, he's done a thing. Great. Don't yeah. Yeah. Start yeah. Go him. If you've got it wrong, they'll just film all you. Yeah. It's terrible. But yeah, it's, it was one of those, it's kind of a community thing. It wasn't just Imperial Assault, it wasn't just X-Wing, it was 
fantasy flight games and there was it wasn't just competitive games people played other stuff as well other board games uh, which i think will stay because they'll obviously keep it at um the game center but yeah, um yeah, yeah I, I i don't play any other game systems that would would get me to the other one so yeah. mm -hmm. um unless i took some up i don't i don't really see it um myself going there unfortunately yeah well the side effect of of well the of Worlds being first the Star Wars games in May uh, means we get regionals pretty quickly next year again basically we skip store championship season and go straight into a regional season in the first half of the year um, I guess there was always going to be a year where that's going to have to happen. there's going to have to happen they're going to have to bring it forward you either wait 18 months or you wait six uh, and thankfully that to be honest they've gone with the right option bringing it forward um, and just accelerating the, the organised play uh, kind of um, season for that for that year. So. I mean, it does seem like they've given countries the option if they can't run it. Uh, if you miss, there's a cutoff date, isn't there? If you miss the date, you yeah. still qualify as a player, but you qualify for the next year rather yeah, than I think, I think it's sort of two, two months, months before. Yeah, I think yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you get into the next year's next year's game, which is good yeah. that you still get in. But um, and yeah, I suppose if you're if your local suppliers or distributors are really bad at organising things, then you still get in. You don't miss the cut. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And the, well, the last kind of uh, silver lining, at least for, for us Star Wars players, um, rather than you know the Netrunners and the Thrones, um, our worlds will be in Minnesota in May instead of Minnesota <laughs> in November. I mean, we were kind of lucky last last year with the weather. Yeah, yeah. it was lovely. So that there, means. But... In May, it will be slightly less cold than it is in November. Basically, yeah, it yeah. should be a British kind of climate. Yeah, um, yeah May, Worlds 2015 was 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 cold, but fine. Um, Worlds 2014 was like hot. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, just avoiding that. I was stuck in the airport for a day on the way back. So, um, it just makes travel a lot easier. It's probably a bit more expensive to get to, uh, but potentially. But you know, it's more more reliable yeah so, thumbs up thumbs yeah up. and the other part of it was the the um the winner gets entry travel and hotel next year so Ooh, if you win yeah. your event you get entry next year just repeat as necessary yeah Man, so yeah, if you are named mr p heaver you <laughs> get, get free travel and accommodation every year free so holidays what? yeah Man, i think i think next year he gets to bring his family <laughs> yeah, I've won it four million times. I should be able to bring my plus ones. Everybody. Yeah. 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 Paul, I mean, we love you. By this point, he's uh, he's actually had enough cards that he can create his own X-wing expansion. <laughs> yeah, the Paul Eber experience. Yeah. <laughs> Missed out. Made either. out of tiny little X-wing trophies. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so worlds, the organised play season for 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 Star Wars gaming is is definitely. Um, making some changes and uh, yeah it's good to see that they're expect they either needed to move out of that venue or split the weekends up yeah um, so it was just it was at capacity last year as Jonathan said so um, two weekends you know is, is a step in the right direction for Star Wars it's probably a good thing for them financially as well yeah you know you, it, I don't know how what the costs would be for them to run worlds um, but as it's their own venue I would imagine it's not extortionate no, probably logistics more than cost, I would yeah. think. 
from overhearing so obviously when 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 i was out there last year um the flight back was sort of pretty much the day after everything happened so we had a a very quiet day playing games in the gaming centre afterwards. But so overhearing general staff chatter, it's a very good week for their store. Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, they've got a lot of foot traffic. Mm. I mean, it's a, it's a really nice store anyway. So they get they get a good amount of people in. But mm. obviously, World's bringing in hundreds of people oh, yeah, doesn't the kitchen, hurt. The kitchen does well that week, I think. Yes. I yeah. So, yeah. I think they pretty much sort of cover their costs in a day. So yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, the uh, the organised play season uh, being shaken up, and that'll be good to see how that pans out. We'll uh, we'll give you coverage as and when it comes up, mm-hmm. uh, but we'll move on to more recent and kind of relevant news for for this regional season. Um, Jonathan, they've just changed up the uh, the FAQ and the tournament rules. They have yes for, yeah for all the Star Wars games, uh, but we'll we'll talk about Imperial Assault specifically. So any, what came up in the FAQ? Anything uh, anything we weren't expecting? So I think our FAQ is fairly update wise sparse. Um, yeah. I think that we we have a couple of points which we'll bring up afterwards that we have asked. Um, it'd be nice to see. I think there's some definitely some stuff that needs to go in. Um, the only real updates we've had are Leia um, is an errata. Her battlefield leadership ability should read, perform an attack, then choose another friendly figure within three spaces. That figure may interrupt to perform an attack with the same target. Uh, and after you spend sort of three or four minutes reading through that, trying to figure out what the difference is, it's another friendly figure. Yeah. So the original wording was, choose a friendly figure within three spaces. So Leia is a friendly figure of herself within three spaces of herself. So it implies that she could attack twice. Yeah. Um, so obviously they have just errated that to uh, to make sure that you don't attack twice. Yeah. It seems. I mean, it obviously helps to have everything clarified, but it seems a little bit of a waste of an FAQ to do that because I don't. I've not seen or heard of anyone shooting with Leia twice. Yeah. I suppose it has. It must have happened for them to, to put that in there. But I think anyone who did probably got taken outside and beaten. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And as we discussed before, in uh, technically, Leia doesn't have assault, so she can't attack she twice can't in her a- own activation. Yeah. So, even if you could do this, it's not a thing she could do. So, yeah, it's it's just clarifying the the, the wording really. Um, there's also a, an update to the hide guns. Their parting shot ability should read: when you have suffered damage equal to your health. Before you are defeated, you may interrupt to perform an attack. Then you are defeated. So it was the then you are defeated was missing. So the original wording implied implied when you took enough damage to be killed, you can attack and you don't die. So <laughs> it's obviously not the intent of the card. No, Again, it's well, just one of those. That's another one where re-wording. I don't think I've seen anyone go, well, I'm not dead now. Yeah. Because it yeah. says before you are defeated. Not yeah. you, you no longer have yeah. 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 I think most people who have got hired guns are just happy that they're defeated because they usually blow up. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you want them to die. Yeah, you want them to die. Yeah. Because that's their two shots in the game gone. Then. <laughs> <laughs> well done, guys. The parting shot and the explosion. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other the other ruling that affects us is take initiative, which um, I have had come up in a game, but we played it right. Um, so. The question is, if my opponent plays take initiative and I cancel it with negation, does my opponent still need to exhaust a deployment card? 
And the answer from FOG is no. Negation cancels all effects of the affected card, including any costs included on that card. Um, so it's basically any action or ability that they would have had to use to, to, to spend that card, they get it back. So it just means that you cancel the whole the whole action essentially. So you, it, it's it makes sense. It's for a zero cost card. It's already quite annoying to tie up resources as well makes it really bad yeah. but um yeah just a little clarification on that again i don't think i saw anyone play it differently but i think it you could easily question that one because um, it's not immediately obvious and i that is it That's for the fun. updates on the faq good to see you i had anything else there's been a couple of campaign ones but we haven't got to the stage of covering campaign yet in this podcast. We are we are full on skirmish mode. Yep, for the time being at least. I think until regionals ramps down, we probably will be. Uh, but I think it's good. It's good to see the the FAQ for skirmish be pretty sparse. Yeah, I mean we've said it before. The rule set for Imperial Assault is pretty tight. There's no manipulation of movement because someone overmeasured on a tape measure. It's squares. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People roll dice, and it's plain to see what. Those those results are there's not much room for manipulation there so the rule set's really tight and uh, and, and streamlined so it's it's good to see stay yeah. that way. I think I so. think FFG are usually pretty good at, at at rule checking. Yeah, they know what they're doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they've been doing this for a while. Yeah, I think like ninety nine percent of the questions you'll ever come up are in the are in the rules somewhere. Uh, you might have to hunt for them. They might be, you know, in the back somewhere. But generally, the rules are in there. You might have to interpret them that they're there yeah you know it's not it's not that they've just decided to not put things in yeah i think it can be quite important to gauge the intent of the uh, the ability as well yeah. um and that generally gives you a good ruling on on where you should go with the card or figure or whatever it is yeah. um it, like for example the um the the hide guns it's obviously not their intent that the unit is immortal <laughs> it dies and you get a parting shot it's in the name so yeah yeah well, i think before we they also changed the the tournament structure and uh, the kind of um, guidelines for running it running an event but before we get into that we'll stay in rules kind of land because uh, we have had a couple of questions um from people we've played over the past few weeks at tournaments or, or friendly events uh, but also people we've seen on facebook and, and on other events and streams um, doing things not consistently, shall we say. Um, so there's a couple of questions that we've been asked to, to approach and uh, we've tried to get official answers off FFG. Um, but uh, the, these are, as far as we can see, the, the rules as written in the rulebook. Um, and we'll wait for FFG. We'll post official threads on uh, their, their community forums and, uh, and make sure that these are right. Uh, the first one being this map tile uh, on the cantina. Uh, Jonathan can get it right. He does. Yay. Two for two. It's a good day. Got it. On uh, it. <laughs> so it's the, it's the bar. It's the, the place where the banther likes to hang around these days. Um, Go the banther buggy. <laughs> specifically, we've seen uh, the movement cost between the following two. I'll highlight the two squares in, in the graphic on the right. Moving between those two squares, we've seen people class it as two movement points and as one. Uh, now all the all the spiel in the core in the in the rules reference guide uh, talks about moving between blocked terrain and 
figures and uh, impassable terrain and walls uh, either being denied or costing extra. This is neither. This is this is difficult terrain, and you and that only accounts when you move into it. You're not moving into it. You're moving diagonally across it. Yep. It's one movement point. Um, everything we've read in all the rule books says this. Uh, and so in, unless someone from FFG kind of points out and goes, nope, that's two. Um, it's one. And I've gone back and watched some of the world's videos of uh, of Paul. Uh, playing in the finals, I'm pretty sure they were moving raw guards back and forth behind the bar for one movement point as yeah. well. And obviously, that at Worlds, you've got TOs and judges kind of crawling I'm, all over those games. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that came up in one of the earlier rounds that I played in, and um, it was ruled by one of the judges there that it was it was one point to move there. So, yeah. so yeah, I have to agree with the, that, that the way it's the way it's ruled currently. There's um, it's one movement point, mm -hmm. but um, there is the only the only clue we've got to give us anything on that is the um, the movement guide, uh, and if you you know the, you know the, the diagram I'm talking Ding. about, put it up there. Yeah, I will do. Um, it's talking about moving diagonally between figures, and it costs one movement point to move diagonally between lots of stormtroopers as Luke dodges in and out of them. Yeah. Uh, it's not quite the same example, but it's it's close. Um, uh, if it, it costs you two movement points to move it through a square with a figure in it, um, the same as as difficult terrain. So it's it's essentially the same same movement points. I think I think really the mistake here is the no map tile. If I'm honest, because the really what that area is representing is the bar, and then there's a little area behind the bar, but you've got the walls that block off the sort of behind bar area. So I can see why people might think it's two movement points because you're essentially jumping over the bar, past the wall and into the back area. It's just a quirk of the way movement works, really. It's yeah. it's one movement point at the moment until they say different. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we, we've had this come up. Um, but yeah, we definitely at Worlds played it one movement point and it, it was, a, it was the, the new map there. So it was um, it, it came up quite a lot. So the next one was just a clarification again. I think uh, we didn't have an agenda, but I've seen it played uh, incorrectly quite a few times. Banthers, uh, massive, massive figures in general, ignore pretty much any line on the board, uh, whether it's red, red dotted, blue. They don't care. They don't care. They just there. There's some funky rules around what happens when you're stood on impassable terrain, uh, basically meaning you can still be shot even though you're technically on something that can't draw a line of sight through. Uh, but yeah, Banthers, for, for, for purposes of movement, all massive figures just completely ignore everything that's not the edge of the board. Yeah. yeah basically. Well, uh, it's not a wall. Yeah, everything costs one. Moving into opposing figures still costs one. Uh, Speaking of massive, there is an interesting uh, interaction with tokens that they're carrying. Yes. So one of the, uh, well, a couple of the missions um, require you to be uh, picking up bits of droids and things you need to combine to create victory Shiny points. things. Shinies. Yeah. Um, and now that we've got the Banther, it's a massive figure that can... Well, actually, the tank can interact, can't it? And probably so yes, can yeah, the, the ATS-T. Yeah. So um, it's basically large-based figures. It's any large-based figure that's not one by one um, that's carrying a token. When it dies, currently the rules say... 
the token is dropped in the space you occupy. And so that's that's only clearly that's only written with small figures in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, at the moment, it's being played that a large figure, when it drops a token, the owner of the figure that's dying can choose which space they drop the token in. So if I kill James's Bantha, who's carrying a mission token, uh, James will get to choose which of the six spaces that mission token drops in. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, we expect a question has gone into FFG. We expect a formal submission back, uh, but there's I don't can't see that there's any other real way to play that rule. Yeah, I have to agree. I think when you're attacking with a large figure, you can specifically trace from any space. You can essentially choose which square you occupy for shooting. So there's no reason why you shouldn't choose what square you're occupying for dropping figures. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah, and it can be quite important which which square you occupy or which square you attack um, from or to, because obviously things like blast will affect. In theory, if you can shoot through a figure, you can attack the back square and blast to stuff hiding behind it yeah. but if you have to hit the front square it makes a difference yeah. Yeah. so that's uh, objective markers being dropped was there anything else I think we've covered most of them yeah, yeah. we had there was um, objective based missions uh, the trooper map at the end of the round you can yeah. interact and pick up a remote yes. um, before we so there was yeah there was two options there's two points on this really um, the first one I've seen it played wrong I think the rules are a little bit um, the explanation is not exactly succinct on it it's um, I've seen the first way we played this when we interacted we put the token on the board uh, and then that gave you po- two points for every one of your tokens that was out I believe there was a oh, this is FFG answer it? from yes it is yeah, yeah. I believe there was an FFG answer to a question on this and you actually it does say retrieve you do retrieve the token so you pick up the remote you reprogram it and your character that reprogrammed it holds the remote scoring you two points for every turn that you have it when you die it is dropped but it is dropped in the space that you're in or of your choosing if you're a large figure um, and it stays on your side so you yeah. keep scoring two points until your opponent reprograms it and picks it up so it's it, it does make that map a lot more interesting because you can rush out get the remote and run away again and you score two points every turn so if you've got some nice fast figures run out get the get the objectives and cover your retreat with HKs yeah. <laughs> yeah. sounds like a man speaking from experience there <laughs> Yes, or just stomp on everything with a banther. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there was also a, another question on this about retrieving with non-sentient beings. Yeah, the other map where you uh, you don't interact to retrieve the remotes like you do on reprogrammed. It's the one where you combine the two uh, tokens for 10 victory points. Yep. Uh, that's, that's also the cantina, cantina. map. Yep. Yep. Um, battlefield Engineering. Battlefield Engineering. Yeah. Good yeah. man. Uh, that one is it's not an interaction it's not an action to pick them up you just if you control those mission tokens at the end of the round you interact for free um, and pick them up Um, again there's a question here that I if I'm honest I don't know the answer to this one is what happens if the figure controlling those tokens is non-sentient like say a Wampa 
uh, that you've not Beast Tamer'd to be able to interact that turn. Um, so I think Beast Tamer doesn't affect them on this because uh, it's during your you exhaust. So during your activation, you can interact. So you pick up these tokens at the end of the round. So that that doesn't help you pick up the tokens. But the way I've played it and the way I've seen it played is you non sentience will pick it up. It's not an interact. Yeah. I believe it's a retrieve. If you're if you control the token at the end of the round, you retrieve. Then you can interact with another figure to combine the two. Yes. So if you've got a non sentient creature adjacent controlling a token, you pick it up. Yeah. But you then can't interact with another figure carrying one to combine them. Yeah. The other figure's so got it, to interact with you. Correct, yeah. Mm. So if you pick it up with two sen non sentient creatures, you, you can't do anything with those. Yeah. That's when you'd need that's when you'd need Beast Tamer. That's my yeah. uh, one per engineer impression. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's good. Uh, <laughs> um, that's racist yeah, that... to Wampers, I'm afraid. Wampers. As, as the dedicated spokesman for Wamper Kind. Oh, I, th <laughs> I, I, I think that's the sole reason to watch this in video form. I think anyone who's been listening to this as a podcast will now be... He's, he's missing out. Subscribing to YouTube. <laughs> Indeed. Let's hope so. Um, I've combed my beard for this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it does look, for anyone on the audio version, it does look very nice. Yeah, very nice. Thank you. <laughs> You've had it beast tamed. I've had it beast <laughs> Just a quick edit here. Uh, we have had a answer from FFG following the recording of this episode of the IA team. Um, Pertaining to the battlefield engineering mission, in which it reads, At the end of each round, if a player controls a vital component, one of his figures adjacent to that component may retrieve it. Uh, and the uh, the answer from FFG is actually that non-sentient figures cannot pick them up at the end of the round, if, even if they control them. Uh, in the rules reference guide, retrieve is defined as an interact, um, and non-sentient uh, rule on any figures you have, like a Wampa, uh, prevents the figure from interacting, uh, whether it's in their action uh, as part of their activation or at any point in the turn, uh, like in this example, at the end of a turn when you, the mission says to check for it. So, no, non-sentient figures cannot pick up the uh, mission tokens in the Battlefield Engineering mission. So, there you go. Uh, I'll get back to the episode now and uh, I'll leave you to it. So I think that's it for rules queries uh, for now. Um, so we'll move on to um, a change in the tournament structure uh, for April. So basically for regional season, um, as part of the TO uh, changes, they amended the, the structure for all tournaments. Um, so the first big point for Imperial Assault was a change in the, the active maps that we play at competitive events. So layers map and her two missions from her ally pack have now rotated in. And Kuat has rotated out. Thank the Lord. Uh, I think no, it... I'm going to miss room, it. I'm going to miss it. That 10 point... You are not going to miss that room. No one is going to miss that room. The room is... I never went for the room. Are we... uh, I always went for the room. I always went for the room as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a... Uh, I'd, I'd, see, from an e-web player, I love the map. Mm. I hated Cantina. It was so hard to win with the E-Webs. But if you got into position with double E-Webs on the space station, you take the, the top and put one E-Web facing into the room, one E-Web down the corridor, and 
there's basically to get to the terminals to open the door, they have to face at least an E-Web yeah. <laughs> and get shot lots. Yeah. yeah right. It was a great that's, that's map for ranged figures. But uh, it, yeah, it's not the most balanced of maps. Um, mm. Certain certain lists struggle very hard on that map. It's, it's pretty unforgiving if you're melee characters and mm. yeah. have to charge in. But Leia's map has, has rotated in the Nelvanian War Zone. It's a, it's a pretty interesting map. It uses lots, pretty much all of the new Hoth tiles, uh, and then only three of the Corset tiles, so it's, it's very wintry themed. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a great looking map. There's four doors on this one. Four doors. So there's a lot of different avenues. It's basically a big crosshair, pretty much. It's, it's, it's the X-Men symbol in map form. Um, <laughs> Working uh, into everyone. Pretty much. So there's a huge central room uh, with the uh, snow drifts and the, the downed turret and then an X of, of difficult terrain and then four doors leading into it. Um, so it's, it's good. That room is going to be carnage, I think. Yeah. Um, kind of the, the terminals are in the two central rooms. All the doors lead into the two central rooms straight from the deployment zones. So you only discounting the doors in your way you're only five spaces away from your enemy deployment zone so as soon as you both open doors roll guard champion on. to your face banther to your face yeah yeah all right that's pretty mean yep um but but with it being a snow map there's lots of difficult terrain so uh I don't, james i don't know what do you think of the map is there any lists that you think are going to kind of enjoy that kind of map we'll put again we'll put a link to it below if you're audio only and we'll put a picture in Jonathan's favourite spot. <laughs> For the people who are listening, Jonathan keeps pointing the wrong way on the video. So otherwise, that makes no sense. <laughs> Just talking about my favourite spot. His yeah. favourite spot. Yeah, let's clarify that. <laughs> right, the map. Uh, yeah, it's, it is very interesting with all the terrain on there. Um, obviously, anything that can ignore terrain is going to be good. So snowtroopers with their, their environmental... I forgot the full name of the ability, but the ability that makes them ignore difficult terrain is going yeah. to be useful. Um, I think, much to the dismay of some people, the Banther will still be good on this map because of the, as we mentioned, the, the fact that massive ignores all the terrain. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be, it's going to open it up a little bit though. Um, obviously, as we've said, the, the Kuat map is a little bit contentious. Some people like it, some people don't. So and any any change because it's gonna sort of reinvite reinvigorate the uh, the tournament scene. So yeah, I'm looking forward to having a go at this. It's quite an open map. I think it's probably the it's going to be the largest map we've had in the tournament so far, or what or, or close to. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think the the Banth is going to struggle a little bit in certain areas because it's so open. It's quite easy to space out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But. There's still some nice blocking terrain that he you could essentially sneak up on someone with the panther. Kind of works as a thing, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think the the missions are interesting. It's kind of strange that this is this um, this map has both of them have droids worked into it. So you have you have the victory points from the droids at the bottom, just different victory points and different ways of getting those victory points from the versions that you play. Yeah, the, the three droids are over on the left in that, that kind of icy corridor. Uh, yeah. On what, so that's, that's the defining feature. Both the kind of the mission tokens are all well away from the central rooms and the terminals. 
So if anything, the Panther is either gonna it's gonna be in one or two spots. I think it's either gonna be in that central room saying, "Come and have a go," yeah, or it's gonna be sat over those mission tokens. Uh, those are the two spaces I think you want the Panther. Um, that's defining feature number one. Um, in terms of how the droids work, in one map the droids are actually around and mobile, and they'll move three spaces. And at the end of the round, you'll just control them for victory points. Uh, the other mission is some of the doors are locked and you have to go get those broken droids that are in the same space and take them to a terminal. Um, yeah. That one, I think, is going to be a bit of an odd one because it's a fair old slog on foot to grab one of those tokens and then move around through some doors and some difficult terrain to the closest terminal. Yeah. In yeah. the three or four rounds that most timed skirmish games go to, that's basically the model that you choose to do that with doesn't do much else. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's quite a lot of points though. You get nine points. You do get nine points. There's three of them. That's potentially twenty seven points from uh if you if you can get them all get them back up to the room and get them to a terminal. Yeah. That's it, a lot of actions and a lot of movement. And a lot yes. of interact. Is this where yes. we see the smuggler that that we're not so fond of? Yeah, potentially. Into his own. Yeah. yeah. I suppose there is um if you can control the green room, the um, con command room, um, you could potentially run a smuggler in for not many points, get him in there and get those nine points and then hopefully sneak him into your opponent's deployment zones because they're huge in this map yeah, and yeah. it could be quite easy to get cheeky five points on top of your nine from the droid. That's mm. a lot of points for a cheap figure. Yeah. And it's great to uh, see just, just simple things like a new map open up figure that yeah probably wasn't seen much play before um, the other one's fairly interesting as well again that i think this one uh the the uh, constant motion where at the end of each round you um in order of initiative you move the droids uh three spaces and then you get four victory points for each droid you control um it definitely encourages people to go down to the bottom of the map um, yeah. where the droids are and and just swamp it with figures so they get the points but then you basically sacrifice the command cards from the terminals because there's no terminals anywhere near you yeah. Um, but yeah it's uh, it's an interesting map I think the only, th the only thing I dislike about this being in rotation is um, it requires so technically speaking if you are in a tournament you need the the card that the map is and the, the the setup diagram and the tiles so this is hoth and layer is this map so yeah. it requires both the hoth expansion and the layer expansion to play properly yeah. um having said that we have mentioned before tournaments so far not you know it, we don't no one really plays that competitively no. so if you didn't have the hoth expansion you'd be fine technically um, only half your field needs to have it yeah mm. yeah I think the reason FFG say everyone has to have it is if everyone just assumes that someone else has it and nobody brings it, <laughs> then nobody plays yeah, and this, yeah, everyone goes home sad. So but, um, <laughs> It's kind of, we've seen them do this with X-Wing by putting command cards and upgrade cards in massive ships. So it's like, I want C-3PO, so I have to go out and buy yeah. the, uh, the huge Rebel Corvette. Um, yeah. The, the tournament scene at the moment basically means you need to own the core set for Imperial Assault. You need to own Twin Suns so that you can play in the Cantina. Mm -hmm. yeah. You need to own Hoth so you can play on this map. And you need to own Leia. 
because she's great. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, at the end of the day, this is uh, OPs are there to sell the game and get more people into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's really the rule, the golden rule for FFG. Um, you know, they want a community, but they they're a business at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that that's why they do this. But as a new player, it does make the barrier to entry quite high because you have to buy all of the expansions and the core set straight out of the bat if you want to play in OPs. But having said that, as James pointed out, someone will have it. Yeah. If you're a new player, just get the core set and make a list, not four by four. And uh, <laughs> yeah, just play it. Yeah. I do think the um, the tile art on the centre tile is a little bit strange as well because the you've got a trench in the middle of a destroyed um, gun emplacement. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember what they're called. I'm not that. I've lost some geek knowledge there. <laughs> uh, they're all difficult terrain, but it's a trench, so technically it should be difficult to go in and out, but not along it. Not along it, yeah. yeah. But again, that's the way movement works. Yeah. I suppose they could have done yeah. something, but it might have been entailed having yes. to create new types of terrain. Yeah. yeah, little blue lines that you have to cross to get in there, but not blue lines in the, in the trench. Yeah. Or they could have just filled the trench with like bits of broken droid and then they could have said that you were tripping over stuff mm. well it's no, just it one of those a bit like the cantina map ducking behind the bar it's just one of those kind of oddities of movement isn't it yeah yeah so it's i think it's quite an interesting map as well because if you commit to the bottom it can be a long way to get back up again so yeah yeah, yeah. and those long corridors down the deployment zones are gonna be nasty E-webs and HKs. Yeah. There's going to be some long-range sniping going on there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and E-webs e can get into position on that bottom corridor pretty quickly, actually, just to cover all the objective tokens. Yeah, and there's no blocking terrain down there. E-webs, tanks, ATSTs. Suddenly, e might see a bit of play. I think the scary thing is if you get an, a HK hiding behind the crash snow speeder and shoot at something that's coming around the corner at the bottom of the map, <laughs> there is there is still there is a chance that they might miss them at that point, which is for, it's, which is rare for a HK. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the long range shot that they are keen yeah. of. Yeah, I'd still go for it. Yeah, oh, I'd still day. expect to hit. <laughs> any any other kind of comments before we leave layers map behind and. Uh... No, I'm interested to give it a go. I think you guys are going to try it out. Yeah, tonight. we're going to try and play uh, a game. Yeah, it's set up behind us. We're going to try and stream as well, actually. Uh, so it's probably gone live by the time you've seen this. But uh, yeah, we're on uh, Twitch TV slash fully operational. So uh, if you ever give us a follow and uh, that'll give you a quick notification if we ever go live, uh, you can see me probably just doing a technical test uh, <laughs> to make sure the webcams work. That's half the time I'm online is just doing that. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll play some games, and if it goes well, we'll we'll hopefully try and stream more and uh, try and get you guys involved in the chat room as well. So that's layers map. Uh, we will we'll leave that behind. I think that's all the tournament structure. Oh, the, oh, actually, in terms of the tournament structure changes, the only other big one really. There were a couple of wordy changes that we're still waiting on clarification from FFG about intentional draws and you know not wanting to play a round out. Um, I think we're still waiting on clarification of how that's going to work. The big one was we get an extra 10 minutes mm -hmm. to play around. So it used to be 10 minute setup time and then a 55 minute round to play. And now it's 10 minute setup time and a 65 minute round, um, which is 
you know, more playtime is good, not rushed so much. Maybe a game that would have previously gone to time won't now. I've not had game that many games go to time, James. Have you? No, not not one. I don't think. No, uh, there's a couple of people been quite vocal on Facebook around wanting to move to a chess clock or uh, wanting to, you know. I think that takes player, the game to somewhere. Long. Yeah, that that takes it to somewhere where it doesn't need to go. Yeah, where it's yeah. that precise. Yeah, yeah. We kind of need to nip that in the bud before yeah. it becomes a thing that yeah. that's what people want to do. Yeah, I'd rather I, have I this think... community be more of a kind of a like with X Wing. They've got the, the fly casual. I'd like something like that. Not yeah. that it isn't now, but I mean, going forward, yeah. like Maintain. to stay. Kind of yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, I'm not entirely sure we need the extra ten minutes yet. No, I'm not. But or ever. To be honest, we'll see. But um, I think right now it's not so much of an issue. The OPs that most of us attend are not, you know, they're not filling the kit. But once you've got 32 players plus um, potentially 10-minute extra rounds can add enough time to the day to just take you over that threshold of comfort. But, yeah, uh, yeah if we get into that situation, then... Yeah, that's the least of our worries. We're uh, we're in a better place. Yeah. yeah. Fab. So that's it for changes to the tournament structure and uh, the very brief FAQ that got, got issued. We will take a quick break, and when we come back, we will um, move on to our last topic for this episode, trying to keep it quite short this time, uh, talking about how we would go around prepping for the upcoming regional season and any advice to new players. So stay with us, and we'll be right back. After these messages from our zero sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> if you would like to sponsor us, please do. <laughs> so regional season is about a kick-off. There's certainly at least here in the UK. I think maybe the US is a few weeks ahead of us. They might have had a few already. Um, and we've had a lot of players, uh, certainly some of the, the newer players, I was going to say younger, but not necessarily, <laughs> asking us about, you know, this is going to be the first kind of premier slash top tier competitive event they're not kind of friendly events anymore are they um and and i'd say they are yeah actually definitely. don't need i've to be fair i've never been to a regional for this game uh, i missed out on them last year i think uh, uh we didn't that. have them oh, didn't we no. that'll be why we didn't have time we went straight to nationals mm, which uh, jonathan won spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, reach, I've I've done plenty of regionals for some of the other LCGs, and I get there's basically there's different swag is on the line, um, but they're still just as relaxed as every other tournament game night kit Wednesday night at the store that you'll ever go to. Um, you just might have a bit of a bigger crowd because it's got better swag. Yeah. Yeah. So don't worry I do about agree it. People tend to maybe experiment less. Uh, yeah. With lists, obviously. Yeah, you might see more uh, lists. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think people are more likely to take a quirky list for a winter or a spring kit. Um, but, there's, you know, even if they take a quirky list for a spring kit, they're still going to play it to the best of their ability. Yeah. So, uh, I think you're, at the moment where we not don't really have a meta, although sort of Luke and Leia, HKs, Banthers, Troopers, those are the meta lists. You'll see more of those at a, at a store championship or a regional championship. I think the style of play and the level of play is still going to be comparable. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. 
So in terms of giving people an insight into how we prep for a regional or, or a nationals, or maybe even worlds, um, I guess we'll go around the table a bit like we do every episode. This this can be our closer question. Uh, and we'll start with James this time, give Jonathan a day off. <laughs> so let's, it doesn't have to be for a new player, uh, but if you, let's give some insight. James, what would you, how would you go about prepping for a, a big tournament? And if you could give someone one piece of advice uh, or, or, or kind of if they could mirror something you do, what would you recommend that be? Uh, don't mirror what I do. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> practice, 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 and practice some more. Uh, the good thing with IA is that you you know the maps that are going to be played, um, so practice those maps. Yes, but you could quite easily, you know, happily play the other maps. But if you are wanting that that edge, potential edge over your opponent, if you are wanting to be, you know, the regional champion and get that shiny plaque that lets you go to nationals for, with a bye. Um, then get those maps practiced. Uh, you know, if the, sort of the top level comp- competitors will, will know how many spaces there are between this objective and your deployment zone, or the potential deployment zones. Um, so yeah, know your maps and get get practicing. Definitely. Good. Good. Yeah, knowing the maps is 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 a key, really. I think. Um, you, you, there's only three maps. Uh, two missions apiece uh, as soon as you kind of get into Imperial Assault from a skirmish scene competitively you'll quickly get to know the maps and uh, so I think that'll just come naturally so yeah as James just says play games and it'll come Yeah, feel the dreams build it and they will come yeah I think the map rotation is good It's it keeps new stuff coming in but it's only three maps so one at a time every map that, you, that comes in you're going to play with for a good few months so you learn how the map plays. You learn where the victory points are. You just the more you play, the more you know the map. You learn where you're, where it's, where you've, you know, got stuck before, where you moved someone and blocked yourself or something like that. Yeah, I yeah. think the uh, no, just playing the maps is good. When you turn up on the day and they go, actually, now we're playing this map, and you have to look at that map. How does <laughs> yeah. my? Because you might you want to practice your list as well, so you know how your list will do. Or, where your list strengths lie on a particular map. So yeah. if you, you know, if you, for example, at Worlds when the four by four was doing its thing, people four by four wanted to be in the bar in the cantina because that forces you to go to them, and that is kind of where they want you to be. Um, so that's you know, knowing that means that you you can kind of focus your efforts to to doing that and, and make your opponent play your game rather than just running everywhere and, and, and kind of breaking up what your your list wants to do yeah uh, again, I'll go second as well Jeff give you some time to think of one um, my advice would be kind of an extension of what James says and like knowing the maps and knowing knowing your list um, I, I see too, all too often online on the forums and on Facebook uh, people focusing maybe a little too much on what list are you running and they write down six or seven deployment cards I'm running Luke, Leia and Sabs okay that's half your list what's your command deck so my advice would be give your command deck some love because um, this is kind of a bit of A some advice but B it's kind of how I approach regionals 
kind of testing and, and prep for a big event. I, I find a list I like and I change one thing slowly to, to arrive at Luke, Leia, some Sabs, Gideon and 3PO and make sure that that's the list I want to run um, well in advance of any of the events I go to. And then I basically run that list for weeks on end with James, with Neil, some of the guys up here that I test with. And all I'll change between games, if anything, is one or two command cards. Um, it's kind of, it's, it basically is scientific method is don't go changing all your variables at once. You'll never get any meaningful results. Mm -hmm. um, loop layer and two subs and support with one command deck will play wildly different to loop layer subs with another command deck. So tweak things slowly, make sure you know what you're changing and why uh, to get the results you want. Uh, but again, it comes down to the point James made of to do that and to get the meaningful results, you just you got to put the time in. You got to play games, mm -hmm. um, and that's not a bad thing because this game's awesome. Kind of why we're here. That's why we're here, and we love it. So, yeah, don't forget your command deck and just change things slowly over time. Would be my would be my advice. Cool. And uh, finally, uh, best to last national champion, <laughs> Jonathan. What would your tip be? Um. Well, you know, obviously this trade secrets here on what to do. So, you know, copy, copy this. So the night before you go out and get blind drunk and, uh, yeah, just turn up to the tournament covered in sick. Yeah. No. I always play then. Did you do that? You didn't do that, did you? <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh, God, right. Top eight at Worlds. I'm trying to sabotage everybody else's games. Uh, no, a little sort of um, reverse of what, what Andy said in some respects in terms of the command deck. Um, it is important. Um, one, yes, I agree. You need to know your list. You need to play a list that you know the ins and outs of, um, and you need to play. You need to play more games to to know how the list works and play against different lists so you know how it works against different figures and what what damages you and what you're not so worried about. Um, but you can't necessarily rely on the command deck because if you are relying on a certain combination of cards to come out in a certain order you can't guarantee that you'll even get the cards let alone they'll come out in the right order um, so I've seen a few Vader lists that use about three command cards to do insane amounts of kills mm -hmm. um, in one round but you need those three cards out otherwise your list doesn't work mm -hmm. um, and although certain lists draw more command cards R2 helps you draw command cards um, you know, there's uh, there's ways around it. Unless you're building to it, you can't rely solely on the command cards. So you need you need to know how every unit works, and not just go right. I need Son of Skywalker, otherwise my list falls apart. Yeah. Um, and also, as well as knowing your list, know your opponent's list. So if this is probably, I mean, at the moment we're fairly new into the game. Um, generally speaking after playing a few times you know what your opponent's cards do if you are new to the game don't be afraid to ask your opponent what their cards do uh, if you sit down against a load of units that you've never gone up against before ask to see them ask for your opponent to read them out anything you know just what their special abilities are and then just have a little run through in your mind on how those could potentially be used against you um, yeah it's always worth Always worth double checking what your opponents have. You've got a I ten minute setup time. Use yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you've got the setup time. Use it to look at your opponent's stuff. 
Obviously not the command cards, because they might... <laughs> That's cheating. Yeah. That's, yeah. That might <laughs> get kicked uh, out of a tournament. Don't do that. Yes, yeah. Yeah, don't do that. Not advised. But yeah, everything else. Ask them. Chat to them about it. Keep it friendly. But yeah, just learn them. Um, and obviously, again, the more you play your list, the more you will remember things. Little things that you forget, you won't forget. That's uh, It's always important to know your list. Mm -hmm. There was always... I mean, most people playing will especially when they're new, they'll forget things. Um, when I started playing, running my eWeb Royal Guard list, I was constantly forgetting to focus Royal Guards when stuff died adjacent yeah. to them. It's, I think it's quite a common one, that one. Um, but it's, it's massive. It's massively different. If you just remember what your, your unit's doing when they do it, it makes a big difference. Yeah. And again, common theme between all three answers, I think. Uh, just play more games. Play more games. Play more games. You'll learn your opponents. You'll learn all the different kinds of metas and, and lists you might come up against. You'll get proficient with yours. And you'll get comfortable playing in a time setting. And yeah. everything just kind of clicks into place the more you play. With and it, always, as always, from last episode, just have fun. Have Enjoy fun, the game. Yeah. Enjoy yeah. your opponent. Play to the best of your ability, but don't take it too seriously. Sound Definitely. advice there from Definitely. from one of the world's best players. So heed it. Top eight in the world. Top eight in the world. Top in the UK. The world's best nation. Shots fired. Shots fired. <laughs> Have that, America. <laughs> Don't send Donald Trump. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about that. So that's uh, that's episode three in the can, Jens. Yeah. I think. Um, Again, I, I want to say a huge thank. To, well, thanks to you guys for staying, um, staying with with the show. It's it's great to get you two together every every once in a while and chat Imperial Assault. Um, Always do. Especially Jonathan, we don't add. You know, you live half the country away. Uh, so it's always it's always good to see you and have a, a bit more of a chat. Definitely. Um, and, and thanks to to all to all you guys watching. Um, it, Again, everything you do in terms of commenting, keeping us motivated, asking us what lists we're running, uh, contributing on Facebook. On Twitter, you can see all our handles below, so drop us a message uh, and uh, we'll chat about anything you want to, even Imperial Assault or not. Yeah. Um, but Any yeah. rules questions, tactic questions, interesting lists, drop us a message. Yeah. If you have something you particularly want us to talk about, let paint, us know. Paint jobs. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll certainly get involved any way you want us to. We'll, uh, we're here for you guys as much as the other way around. So um, it's, it's been good interacting with you, and uh, long may it continue. Definitely. So that's episode three done. We'll, uh, we'll crack on and, and uh, get our heads firmly into regional season and uh, hopefully come back with some, uh, some good results over the next few weeks. So we'll look forward to seeing you in episode four. Cheers. See you guys.